What's happening, folks? It's Taurus Baker, known to the family as Kiki, and my brother, Corey Jordan. Welcome to another episode of Apple Doesn't Fall podcast. Apple Doesn't Fall is a podcast inspired by that old phrase, an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. However, in this case, the apple represents a member of one's family, and the tree represents the family unit itself. So no matter if a family member passes away, moves away, or is still at the center of the family, family legacy and heritage can still stand strong. We wanted to capture and archive some of the stories about our family, the Jordans and the Bakers, that hail mostly from Huntsville, Alabama. However, we've got family from all over the country that we'll be speaking to as well. My brother Corey's with me. What's happening, Corey? How you doing there, brother? Doing well. Now, in this episode, we've got my father's brother, Mr. Eddie Jordan with us. And we're happy to have him here because he's had a full life and he's got some really interesting things that he's going to share with us today. We're going to ask him roughly about 15 or so questions and we're just going to let him speak about his life. Uncle Eddie, thank you for joining in with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Glad to be with you, Kiki and Corey. Well, we are absolutely happy to have you here, Unc. Um, So as I said, we're going to ask roughly about 15 or so questions. Feel free to answer however you like. Uh, This is your story, and we're just going to let you talk and tell it, okay? And I'll do that to the best of my recollection memory. It's a long one, but I'll try my best to be as honest and reflective as I can. And that's all that we ask. So I'm going to go ahead and get things started, Unc. We're going to start with the first question here. And that is, what is your full name, and is there a story behind why your parents gave you that name? Well, this is, as far as I I can tell, I'm James Eddie Jordan. I I assume that my daddy didn't want to burden me as junior. My daddy was named Frank Eddie Jordan, so he gave me part of his name, the Eddie part. My family refers to me today as Eddie, as Eddie. So there was a nickname growing up, and I think that came from Daddy. He nicknamed us all. It was Coot. and I, I never understood exactly how that came about. So your nickname was Coot? Coot. Okay. That, that's Daddy, uh, Mama back in the day, Coot. C-O-O-T-E, probably. Now, how long did they call you that? Did they always call you that, or was there a certain age where they stopped actually calling you? Well, as I can remember. This is the first time I'm hearing it. Until I left going in the military, Daddy called me Coot. Daddy called me Coot. And I I never really asked how that came about. That was my nickname, Coot. Older people back in the day, they nicknamed everybody. Everybody had, and they had their own reason for it. We, we took it and ran with it, and, and uh, it was a, I guess it was a badge of honor, you know, a nickname. I can see that, yeah. But you are named after your father because your father was named Frank Eddie. That's right. Okay. Okay. Now, can you tell us where were you born? And, excuse me, first tell us when you were born and tell us where you're from. Okay. I was born 1949, October 14, 1949. Uh, the oldest out of 11 kids my mom birthed. Now, this is amazing. Out of all of my mom's birth, I was the only one that was 
born in Huntsville Hospital, the only one. People ask the question, well, why? Why were you the only one? Back then, they, they didn't uh, take you to the hospital. They had midwives. So I came out with this conclusion. They wanted to get it right with me. The only one, the first one, Huntsville Hospital. After that, my grandmother delivered us, delivered my all, her and the midwife. So was your grandmother a midwife herself, or was she just assisting the midwife? Assisting the midwife, I believe. I believe that's the way it was. So you grew up here in Huntsville, Alabama? Grew up off of Winchester Road on my granddaddy's farm that he purchased back in the 20s, probably a hundred and twenty acres, which was phenomenal back then for a black man to to be able to do that. To buy a farm, to buy land and hold on to it. And and that's where this whole story started. If it wasn't for my granddaddy, there would be no story. And 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 I try to relay that to the, the younger people to to understand that and appreciate that. If it wasn't for our granddaddy, we, we wouldn't we would we wouldn't exist. That was passed down through years, my granddaddy to his daddy to us. Tell us a little bit about your grandfather. Uh, what was his name to start his out? His name was, I believe, Willie David Jordan. Uh, I believe I heard my sister Ruthie mention Willie Davis, Willie David or Willie Davis. Uh, but they call him Bill, Bill Jordan. And that's that's one of the, I won't say regrets, but that's one of the things that I I, I wish I had had the opportunity to meet to to meet my granddaddy, but he passed before I was born. It was an amazing man uh, to be able, like I said, to buy to buy land and and, and hold it was, was something. Uh, he was he was he was before his time in a sense. Uh, I think originally he worked for the railroad, which was pretty good paying jobs back then. A hard worker. I think he died fairly young, uh, probably in his. 60s, maybe 50s, 60s, mainly hard work. Just worked itself to death, as they said. So we are on location on that property that you're talking about. What was it like growing up here? It was a, it was a beautiful experience looking back in hindsight. Maybe not so much growing up because it was rough. But the amazing thing about it, you didn't realize how rough it was until you had the the time to look back over it. We were poor, but we didn't know we was poor. We had love. We had the bare essentials, food, water and clothing. Dear grandmother, dear mother, siblings. So it it was, is that old saying? It was the best of times, sometimes the worst of times. But it was a, it was it was a it was a good experience. It made me who I am today. And hopefully, it made my siblings the same. Now, speaking of where you grew up, can you tell us a little bit about your parents? Now, you already mentioned Frank Eddie Jordan, your father. But tell us a little bit about your mother and give us a little bit about who they were, your father and your mother, if you wouldn't mind. They were uh, unique people, hard workers. Uh, Like I said, dad, 
Dad served in the military during World War, Korean War, and World War II. World War II. He uh, served during war, and he came back uh, after about three years, started a family, and took over my, my dad's farm, and he farmed the land. Mom was mainly a breadwinner. She was a, she was a stay-at-home mom. She, as I said before, she birthed 11 kids. She raised nine of us siblings uh, that survived and, 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 and went on to, to live productive lives. But Mom was an amazing, amazing lady. She, she was a quiet lady, uh, but she was, she was firm and she was, she, was, she was good. She was like a silent scream. She didn't, didn't say a lot. But words spoke volumes. What was her name? Mildred Bernard Jordan. And Bernard was her maiden name. That, that's right? it. Now, tell me about your, you spoke about Willie David, right, Bill, as your grandfather. But I want to hear a little bit about, did you know your grandmother as well on your your father's side? That's that's funny, uh, Kiki. That's uh, that's the closest I had to my granddaddy, because as a little boy, me being the oldest out of the eleven kids that was birthed, me being the oldest, my grandmother used to sit me up on the steps and tell me a lot of the history. I was little, but I can remember some things that she she relayed to me. She was a wise lady, sweet lady. She was, uh, I'd never seen her get angry. She was. What was her name? Hattie Jordan. We've had Sue Jordan. So what was the most significant bit of information she gave you that you remember? She told us how hard it was to, to survive back during that time. She talked about getting the money together to pay the taxes on the land, to hold on to the land. Uh, that was something that, that she reiterated. That it wasn't easy because if you didn't pay the taxes, eventually you was going to lose the land. So her and my daddy, they made sure that those taxes were paid and paid on time. Uh, so handle your financial responsibility is what Grandmama taught that's you. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Wise words from a wise woman. <laughs> and, and she was the type lady, she was a church-going lady that uh, she, she loved her, her grandkids and, and she wanted the best for them. She was, uh, and, and I remember this mainly that she was such a, a cook. You know, we had to work in the fields and grandma had got old. She wasn't able to work. But we would come home at lunchtime from a hard Half day work at lunchtime. Grandma would have the best food, three or four course dinner, with desserts every day, peach cobbler, blackberry cobbler. She she would she would have that dinner, and we would we would have a, a good meal because we were working hard. Well, let me ask you this: um, You said that she was around when you guys were out working in the fields. Did Miss Hattie Sue live with you guys? It's kind of <laughs> it's ironic because 
we all, and, and this, this sounds, sounds kind of uh, sad, but it was a beautiful story. We all lived in the same house. A, a two-story, not a brick house, a rock house that my granddaddy built himself, picking up rocks out of the fields. It was a four-story, a four-room, two-story house. Two, two stores downstairs, two rooms downstairs, two rooms upstairs. It was beautiful. Uh, the girls live on one side. The boys lived on the other side with mom and dad. Downstairs was the kitchen, and that was what they called a, a storage room on the other side downstairs. Where grandmama canned goods, we stored meat after winter to preserve the meat. It was it was self supported, but it was it was beautiful. So where did uh, grandmama live? Did she did she stay with the the kids, the girls? She Grandma, lived in a room with the girls. Grandma lived in the room with the girls, and the boys lived in one room. Boys lived in the room with mom and daddy. Okay, uh, with with mom and daddy. So Frank and Mildred and the boys. That's right. All exactly. shared a room. All shared a room. Okay, that's interesting. No kidding. Now, how many siblings do you have? Okay. And what are well, you know what? Before we actually get to your siblings, I want to talk about your your grandparents on your mother's side. We talked about Willie David and um, Hattie Sue, but let's talk a little bit about the Bernard side, your mother's um, parents. Okay, on Mama's side, and I remember them. It was Daddy Joe, Joseph Bernard. And Big Mama, we call her Big Mama, Ella Sue. That was Mama's Mama. So I remember Mama's Mama and Daddy very, very well. They were they were good people. They were hard workers. They lived on a, a place called Chase Nursery. It was it was referred to as the village. That, that old saying, it takes a village to raise a kid. Yes. That was really a village. Everybody, and they all was, was black. They worked on this nursery. They provided homes for every, each one of them. Uh, you was neighbors. You, you worked hard. I, I think it was probably 20 houses. It was almost like a, uh, a subdivision. Subvi- subdivision. It, was, it was amazing. It was called the village. So Big Mama and Daddy Joe worked on the nursery. We would go there on the weekends to visit them. That was the, the highlight of our, our week. On Sundays, Daddy would take us to church. He'd drop us over Big Mama's. We would have a good time at night. He'd come back and get us, and we'd come back to the mountain. So those were fond memories of Daddy Joe and Big Mama. That's awesome. I was talking to, well, Corey and I were talking to Aunt Martha, Aunt Martha Davis, and she was telling us a little bit about Chase Nursery and what it was like to grow up there. And the one thing that she shared, she shared that I thought was interesting was um, she said that they didn't actually pay for the house, for the house that they lived in. Well, the houses, the folks in the community uh, lived in. The only thing they had to pay was for their food and for the utilities. And then she said the utilities was like $8 a month. Everything else was pretty much free because they were working on the nursery. But I'm trying to understand one thing I didn't ask that I kind of wish I did is what exactly are we talking about when we say nursery? Are we saying like a farm? It's, uh, it was a, a tree nursery, shrubbery. All of the, the 
plants and, and trees that, that people used to, when they build houses, to plant. It was, and it was one of the few places in Huntsville that existed. Chase Nursery. They shipped all over the country. Shrubbery, uh, pine, uh, cedar, whatever. They, it, was, it, was a, it was a place. And they were, it, it was very prosperous. Now, this is the thing. You can look back and say, well, it was a form of slavery or whatever, but, but it wasn't. It was, it was bigger than that, but it was, and as my Aunt Martha told you, they provided everybody with a house. The house was determined by the size of your family, okay? So what you did, uh, you, you didn't pay no rent. She said you paid utilities, you bought your own food, had outdoor toilets, uh, but it was it was it was it was decent. It was decent. Big houses, and, and they kept those houses nice and clean. Uh, it 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 was it was the best of that time. Let me ask you about um, Papa uh, Daddy Joe, Daddy Joe Bernard, because I've heard a bit about Ella. Aunt Ruthie has talked a bit about Ella, her grandmother. Um, Aunt Martha talked a little bit about Ella as her mother, but we've not really heard much about Daddy Joe, Joseph Bernard. Can you share just a little bit about him? Daddy Joe was a, he was a small man, uh, very neat, with some coveralls, overalls, as I remember. Very easygoing, very quiet. Uh, I think he had one, one device, if you want to say. Uh, he he kind of loved to gamble. And Big Mom would let him, you know, back then, men got together and they would play cards. Uh, Entertainment of the day. That was it. That was it. <laughs> so, so Daddy Joe was, uh, he, he loved that. And uh, Big Mom would let him. Then sometimes she'd put her foot down and he'd had enough. I do remember one instance where she went and got him. I'll never forget it. I was a little kid. She almost had him back in the, in the, in the back of his coveralls, kind of leading him home. <laughs> But uh, but was a nice man, nice man. I was young, young, but uh, but he was uh, he he was special. Big Mama, she ran the house, she she handled the, the finances. She she was she was Big Mama. She sounds like a phenomenal woman. Oh, she was she was phenomenal. What Martha was sharing. Um, she was saying that um, when whenever the family was having children, you know, uh, whether it was Ophelia in Chicago, someplace she'd fly out to Chicago, you know, to, or drive out there to, to to take care of Ophelia and. You know, taking care of a big mama, Mama Mildred and um, Martha and and Ollie as they were having their kids and, and everything else. You know, um, she really sounded like a phenomenal woman. She, she was, and and I, I'm gonna share this with you real quick. She was. Uh, they they moved eventually when when Chase Nursery kind of went started shutting down. Big Mama bought a house on Esther Avenue. It's still there now. Uh, Twenty four nine Esther Avenue, I believe the address. But make a long story short. Big Mom let me have my first birthday party there. She said, this is your day. I was 16. Never forget it. Had never had a party. Hadn't had nothing. No kidding. Okay. Kids now, they have birthday parties all the time. That was my first birthday party. And I invited some friends. And Big Mama, I was so happy. She said, this is your day. Never forget that. I'd actually like to backtrack because I'd like to hear more about Frank. Frank's personality uh, and other little things you remember about him. Well, well, Corey, let me say this. Daddy... Was he was a a good daddy? He was a good daddy. 
I heard somebody say once, one of my sisters, I believe Cynthia, made the comment that he was a better daddy than husband sometimes, if that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, was, he was a good daddy. He was stern, uh, but he was, he was fair. He was, I, I, me being the oldest, I saw a lot of things. Daddy took me a lot of places. And back then, unlike today, you was able to go and see a lot, but you wasn't, you wasn't allowed to, to say nothing. You was privileged to be able to go with, with grown people, as they say. But you knew how to keep your mouth shut. Kids today, they take over. So I, I seen a lot. I learned a lot just going with my dad. And he was, he was, he was a good man. I, I have no regrets. Uh, he made me the man I am. He gave me love, but it was a, it was a tough love. It was a tough love. He was, he was an authoritarian. That, that's he, it. He still took care of his family and, and, and knew when to, you know, he put it down and, and ease up a little bit. He, he did. He, he did. You know, it's funny you mentioned that he would take you places. I was talking to Aunt Ruthie a while back, and she mentioned that when y'all used to pick cotton back in the day, he used to take you and, and Willie, my father, out to the cotton gin. But he never took Aunt Ruthie, and, and she was the one that was picking a lot of the cotton between, uh, you know, you, uh, uh, Willie and, and, and her. I think it, I think it was more of a, just a man thing, and, and Ruth is right. Uh, of of all of us, Ruth is she could she could work, she could work. I held my own, but but your daddy, Kiki, Corey, Willie was more of a con artist. <laughs> he would try to joke his way through a day, and then at the end of the day, he didn't have what he supposed to had. So Ruthie would try to help him, and sometimes that would save him, sometimes it wouldn't. But but Willie was uh he he was a character he just wouldn't he wouldn't do it he wouldn't do right I like to say that um, he was rebellious Th- that's it at a time when rebellion wasn't looked highly upon uh, hard headed maybe even that, that, that's it that's exactly right and and back to the the the, the gin thing yeah that was the highlight you work hard and your reward was you got a chance to to go to the gin you go to the gin you was able to go to the store. He was able to buy something. You buy drinks, uh, meat, bologna, whatever crackers. It was it was a, it was a privilege. Now, I was fortunate because as I got older, as I turned probably sixteen, if the daddy let me, took the cotton to the gym at times by yourself, you know, by myself, by myself. Never forget there was two gins that were prevalent back then. One was in Ryland, Ryland, Alabama. Other was in Meridenville. So we went to whichever one was, was, was not the business, if I remember right. But every once in a while, I'd take that old tractor and I'd be going up the road toward Meridenville. Wasn't much traffic then. Two lanes, of Parkway, one going and one coming. Then sometimes I'd go to Ryland. Later on, they had a truck that we would pull. But yeah, it was mainly the boys. Me, Willie, Brother David later on. Uh, that was it. Okay. So what was it like at the gym? You uh, you got to the gin, you checked in, uh, they, they weighed your cotton, your load, they took samples of it to see what type of quality you had, determine how much you would get per bale. So then they had to suction the cotton off of the, the, the trailer. And in the meantime, you, you got an hour or so to kill, sometimes maybe two, it depends. You could go to the store, you could sit in the 
the office there or whatever. But it was it was nice because that was that was entertainment. Well, you, you you're saying the store. What what was in this store? Was it a store at the actual gin, or you actually had to drive someplace? No, no, it, else it, it was, it was store. a store at the gin. The gin had everything. It had the gin. It had store. Uh, everything was controlled pretty much by one or two people. Okay. So the gin was it was it was in place. You you went there and you uh you you got what you don't get all the time. Okay. Okay. Now let's move it on to talk a little bit about your siblings. Can you do me a favor? I want you to list your siblings, including yourself, by who's the oldest all the way down to the youngest, and then tell us a little bit about their personalities. Okay. I'm the the oldest. Uh, after me was your your daddy, you and Corey's daddy, Willie. After Willie was my oldest sister, Ruthie, who you interviewed before. And that was David. That was my brother, Michael. Cynthia. Tom Etta. Dale Marie, Veronica, which we call Puny. Now, I'm almost sure I got that order right. If I if I didn't, I'll hear it. Uh, they, somebody hear from me. <laughs> I'm almost sure. And that those was the ones that, that 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 lived. I had two sisters that that passed as infants. Uh, one I think was a week or so old, a couple of weeks old. The other one maybe a month. I I, I can't remember exactly. But I, I do remember a little bit. I was young. But I remember mom and dad, they, they didn't talk much, but I could hear the whispering. So I knew something was, was unique about what had happened. That much I, I remember. But back to the personalities a little bit, uh, I would say... Uh, Let's start with Willie, the one right up under you. As you said before, Willie was, he was a rebel. He was a plain-out rebel. He was, uh, he was defiant. You, you tell Willie the sun is shining. Willie said, "No, it's raining." <laughs> he was gonna challenge anything, and uh, he would challenge Dad, and that was that was that was no no. But he, but he would. Uh, he, he was just uh, he was he was Willie. He was that way growing up. He was that way as he got older, and a uh, good fella. He was just—he was just—he was just a rebel. He was going to be. That's kind of how we saw him. He was a rebel all the way throughout his life. You know, all the way through. The one thing that I always appreciated about him is he was always honest. He might have been been a rebel. You know, he might have been defiant. He might have been difficult at times, and a lot of the times he was, from what I understand. But with me and Corey, we saw a lot of the honesty in him, especially in his later years. You know, when he really made an effort to get to know us mm-hmm. a little bit better. But um, that's the one thing that I appreciated about him. But we had heard about him being a rebellious child, young man, and then even an adult. He he was that. He was that. He, uh, as you said, he, but he was he was honest. He was a, he was a good fellow. I do remember this, and I'm gonna share this with you real quick. Willie was so rebellious that he got to a point where he he had got you know we all was getting older. Willie decided he wasn't gonna take no more whippings from my dad. And and. And and I knew that was a problem. Daddy still was dad. He was a man. You was up under his house. He was gonna, he was gonna chastise you. He was gonna reckon with you. Never forget one day, 
Daddy got ready to chastise Willie. He was gonna he was gonna whip him. He had a Willie decided he wasn't gonna take no more. So Daddy got ready to, and they both was kind of getting ready. And Willie shot the shot the clips up under my dad. And boy, we knew that was that was bad. Grandmama sitting on the porch, and, and Grandmama she was she was she was upset. She said, "Boy, you better you better leave here." Willie left home. He got he, he he hit the road, and he went to the job corps. Never forget it. And he stayed in the job corps for a couple of years. I can't remember exactly. Uh, and then he came back, and he wanted to get the all clear from Daddy. Was everything okay? So Daddy did. He gave him the, uh, the okay. Willie came back. Apologize, but that was Willie. We, we the rest of we never would have thought that. Clips, yeah. What is that? That's kicked his legs out from under. Oh wow! And they, they <laughs> and and Daddy was a man. Like I, I said before, Daddy didn't play. Daddy was he. He was the man. He was a strong man. Willie was strong too, but but he made that mistake and uh, he and paid the cost. Paid the cost. <laughs> paid the cost. Paid the cost. Paid the cost. Now. Uh, the the only the only other, David David was easy going. I think Ruthie told you in, in her interview. Well, but before we get to David, talk a little bit about Ruthie. Ruthie was. I, I want to go in order. We got okay. we got you, Willie, Ruthie, and then David was after that's Ruthie, it, right? That's so it. let's let's talk a little bit about okay. Ruthie. Okay, Ruthie, as I said before, she's my oldest sister. Uh, she she was a hard worker, smart girl, uh, as you uh, heard before. She went to Buckhorn. I believe she told you about her experience at Buckhorn. I believe the first black cheerleader. Did yeah, she tell you that? She yeah. did. Yeah. So she was she was special. She a uh, hard worker. And 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 Ruthie probably had a little bit better than we did because we had an auntie that we called Aunt May. Mary Francis was her name. She kind of took Ruthie as her adopted daughter. So she she did everything for Ruthie. Everything. Ruthie had to want for nothing. So she, she was the, the privileged child, I would say that. But let me ask you this, because I've always seen Aunt Ruthie. Aunt Ruthie, we spent a lot of time with her as children growing up. And the one thing that I've always noticed about her is she is a very active woman. I mean, she, she is so uh, full of life, always into something, always, um, whether it was sports back in the day, but she was extremely talented at sports, always going to some event, constantly working. She really come, had come across as a kind of a renaissance woman, if, if, if I may, may say so, because of not only was she athletic, but she was artistic as well, making clothes for her brothers and, and later on for us and her kids and making some of the artwork that she's doing now. Very, very, I say artwork, I'm speaking of, I'm, li- I'm in her house right now, and she's actually taking the time to almost paint murals in her house. So she's she's got the soul of an artist. What was she like as a child growing up? Well, she uh, she was probably uh, ahead of her time. Just she was gifted, and and I didn't realize it at the time. But as time went on, and as you're saying now, uh, she's got a special talent that she can do almost anything. She's uh, she's a uh, she could have a brand. She can she can do it. Now, as a child. 
You said that uh, you guys were pretty much taking care of the farm. Was she one of the hardest workers of you of you kids out there picking up, pick, not only picking cotton, but picking up some of the other stuff? She, that she, she was. She was. Daddy, daddy didn't discriminate. Everybody had to. Everybody had to get it. Everybody. So Ruthie, she she wasn't she wasn't shielded from 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 no hard work. Matter of fact, I, I think the, the the younger ones didn't experience what none of us experienced. It's there's two there's two tiers. There's that older tier that I was telling you, and the younger tier that they they didn't they didn't see the same thing we said for for as hard work. They they did some, but not like we did. Gotcha. Okay. So now let's go ahead and talk about David. Tell tell me a little bit about him, David. Uh, I nicknamed him just recently a little while ago, Big Boy. That's that's my nickname for him. <laughs> Call him Big Boy. He loves it. He he takes it as a terms of endearment, Big Boy. Uh, David David was uh, he, he he was easy going. He uh, I never forget this. We was kids, and if you went across a bridge with water underneath it, no matter how much water, he was scary. He closed his eyes. He probably don't even remember that, but that that was his thing. He he was he was scary in that sense. But I think Ruthie mentioned uh, before he was kind of his body was his, his his bone would jump out of joint quite a bit. She called it double jointed. Double jointed. She she was right. Double jointed. That was David, Papa McGann. But uh, he grew out of it eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, easy going guy, hard worker. Uh, did he ever get? Did he get in trouble a lot with Frank? Nah, nah, he didn't. David didn't. David didn't. Learn from Willie, didn't Learn from Willie. <laughs> Willie was the one. Willie was the one. Uh, but David was, he was, he was a, just a good kid. He, you know, we all was a little bit mischievous, but, but, but there was a difference between us and, and Willie. Now, what about uh, Mike came next, right? Uh, Mike was Talk next. Talk a little bit about Uncle Mike. Okay, now, Uncle Mike was, I won't call him a rebel. He was a renaissance man. He was, uh, he, he was, he was gifted and in, in, in other ways, mainly as a mechanic, uh, he was the type that uh, he didn't have the school in mechanic, but he was gifted by good with his hands. Good with his hands. Uh, we was growing up, and Daddy would have us kind of helping out in the car. Mike was the only one could figure things out, whether the car was in tune or the timing. And sometimes it came down to whether the spark plug was hidden. Mike could hold it and tell you exactly and and he grew into be a be a be a heck of a mechanic uh, and now mike he didn't play he was uh he was a guy that he looked after his sisters and brothers you know you didn't you didn't cross them because they knew you had to deal with mike uh you know mike passed a, a few months ago but he was he was he was special the problem Mike loved sports so much that you couldn't keep him in school. He would go to school. He stayed in the gym. Principal would catch him in the gym at Johnson. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Uncle Letty, because I remember hearing a story that Mike was a talented basketball player, that he was really talented at basketball. You know, it's, it's kind of it's ironic when he was in the hospital and, Back and forth, and the nurses would ask to see his ID and his, his armband, and it's Michael Jordan. <laughs> so it was kind of it's kind of funny, and we would tell him that this is the real Michael Jordan <laughs> because he came before the other Michael Jordan, yeah, yeah. And, and he was. Mike could shoot 
basketball. He could he could shoot a basketball out of the, out of the gym. Now, did he play for the school team at all, or was it just he, kind of a hobby that he enjoyed? Mainly a hobby, but he he played some organized basketball. Uh, you know, some like Riverton uh, Middle School, and and I'm not sure exactly high school. I was going during that time. I think maybe over Johnson, but he was. He was a heck of an athlete. He could shoot that basketball. He loved it. And we used to love when Uncle Mike came around as kids. Uncle Mike had a very unique voice, you know, so we always <laughs> used to love hearing him talk. But uh, always had a smile on his face and just loved hanging out with that his laugh. He, he was. He was. <laughs> and, and I don't know, you know, he had a nickname, Tight. Tight. That's right. And uh, that's right. I, I asked him, I asked somebody about I said, how did that nickname come about? Nobody would hardly tell me. And, uh, and finally, I heard David said, because he 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 looked after his money. He was tight with his money. <laughs> Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's everybody knew him by tight. That is awesome. So that was Uncle Mike. And after Uncle Mike came Cynthia, right? Cynthia was next. Cynthia was next. Tell me a little bit about uh, Aint Cynthia. Cynthia, she also was a good athlete. She starred at A&M in volleyball and basketball. She's in the Hall of Fame up there. She was. I did not know that. Yep, she is. She was okay. in the Hall of Fame up at Alabama A&M. Basketball and volleyball. Well, I remember Corey and I were old enough at the time where she was playing ball in school, volleyball, to go to some of her games, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and she was very active, if, when I, at, if I remember correctly, not only with the team, but other activities surrounding right. it, too. Right. You know, she was just all into different activities S- within the school. Smart girl. She, uh, you know, back then, your parents weren't able to send you to college. So a lot that you got on your own. Cynthia went on scholarship. She she worked, played her way through through college, you know, through athletics, mm-hmm. and uh, but but very talented and uh, very smart girl. She she retired from teaching school, taught school for thirty years or so. But uh, yeah, very very gifted, uh, very special. Well, let's talk about the next in line. That is Tometa. Am I right? Or is that Dale? Tometa's next. Okay, let's talk about Tom. Tom is... Uh, Aunt Tom. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I saw yesterday. And if you see Tometa, you see my mama, your grandmama. That's exactly grandmama. what I said to her. Mannerisms as well. She's exactly. Got mannerisms exactly. Of, of exactly. Tom is... She's nonchalant, which mama was. Uh, she don't play... You don't hug her. Got to steal a hug if you hug her. Mm-hmm. So when you see Tometa, you see my mama. That's without a doubt. That's everywhere she go. She she wants you to wait on her. <laughs> and uh, but but a special 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 sister. Tometa. You know the one thing I always loved about Aunt Tom was you say she don't like to give hugs or nothing like that, but she was always always found her to be a very loving woman. She's as kids. She was always looking to take care of us. We were always fed being around her. Um, and then sometimes we just had a good time, whether it was sitting around, uh, watching Soul Train as kids and different strokes and some of those other shows we'd watch whenever we'd come over to the, to the Rock House to hang out for the weekend. And, you know, Aunt Tom was always one of the ones that good hearted, Good hearted. Good hearted. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, she, she had all the, the traits of mama. She, she doesn't say a lot, but... Uh, Silence speaks volume. But what's funny with Aunt Tom, though, is she might you might feel she doesn't say a lot, but if she is comfortable with you, right. you're going to have some good conversation. Yeah. She's yeah. going to open up. Yeah. You're right. That's, that's what I love about her. You're right. You're right. But, 
Let's go on to the next one. That would be uh, Dale, Dale, right? Dale Marie? Yeah, Dale, Dale Marie. Tell me about Dale Marie. I, I, I call Dale the comedian. Dale is a, she, she, she's a laugher. <laughs> she's I a, love to laugh. She's a giggler. Uh-huh. Everything is funny to Dale. I, I tease a lot of times. She, uh, she, she's what you call one of those uh, happy spirits. She's, she's always uh, uh, finding the best out of any situation. That's Dale, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, we all had certain certain traits, and 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 I, I tried to go through them as much as I could. Now, uh, there's one more. There is, but there's one thing I want to say about Aunt Dale. Um, like Aunt Tom, whenever we would come over to the house, to the to the rock house to stay for the weekend, um, it was Aunt Dale, Aunt Tom, and Aunt Puny. I think they were the last three that stayed at the rock house with with Big Mama and um, and uh, Daddy, Big Daddy Frank, and. We'd always have a great time with Aunt Dale. I mean, we were popping popcorn, you know, and and watching, like I said, Soul Train and, and all the other TV shows that were on. Dale loved her stories. You know, she had to watch her stories. So Dale was always into the whole entertainment thing. I think the reason that I love popcorn as much as I actually do is because of my Aunt Dale Marie. <laughs> but that's awesome, huh? And, and, and believe it or not, Dale is the same way today. She's, she's fun-loving. She's... She's she's easy going. Sometimes I, I I call her Tina Turner. She's uh she's she's fun loving. She's fun loving. So let's go ahead and talk about the last one, and that would be Veronica, Veronica. Aunt T Puny. Can you talk a little bit about Aunt T Puny, your sister Puny? Well, you know the thing about well, first of all, how did she get the the nickname Puny? Now, now, now this is, and I'm almost sure I'm right on this, but they'll probably laugh about it later and say that wasn't the case. She was a screen bean. She couldn't put weight on. She was little. I think that's how the puny came about. I'm sure that's something daddy did. Puny. I saw her the other day, and I said something to her. Puny, don't call my name. Don't call me puny. <laughs> so, you know how you, you get older, you, you try to get away from certain, certain <laughs> nicknames. But I, I'll call her puny when I really want to get attention. Uh, yeah, that's my baby sister, Veronica. Well, she, you know, it's, it's funny you mention that, Uncle. Uh, I think we need to, I need to talk to Aunt Veronica and find out what, how, what she wants to be called these days because you're right. Sometimes our nicknames, we do want to grow out of them a little bit. You're right, you're right. Sometimes I hear Kiki. Everybody's been calling me that all my life in my family. I'm around my friends. Somebody calls me Kiki. My friends are looking around like, who the heck are they talking about? So and, I, I can kind of understand where Aunt right. is coming from. <laughs> and, and, and let me just say this, you know, I had to kind of get to to relearn my siblings because I left here about 19 years old, went in the military. I got drafted in the Army and uh, volunteered for the Air Force. So I left here, and, and I, was, I was going off and on 22 years. I was active duty. So I came back, and, and they all had become, become grown pretty much. You know, each time I would come back, they was— so I miss a lot of that early childhood with them other than— Mainly, Ruthie, uh, Willie, y'all's daddy, and maybe David. But the younger ones, uh, it, it took a while for me to 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 get to know them as as grown up because they was they was young, and we all anywhere from a year 
to a year and a half apart. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So if you if you get the age, you get the oldest, the next one, it's going to be anywhere from a year, year and a half. We're that close in age. And, and, and that was the... That was the norm back then. You had big families because you had to work on the farm. You weren't able to hire uh, hands. So, so, share, yeah. yeah. So you, you was the hand, your family. So I think that was the mentality of, of people back in the day. Everybody had large families, which, which is a blessing. You know, I mean, you know, the, 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 the sad part, the, when, when you started losing them, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You have each other to lean on, and then the the uh, the time of demise of of all our, our demise comes about. And well, we get older, Uncle. Unfortunately, we don't get the opportunity to live forever. That's right. Know? So we we got to definitely enjoy the time that we have. That's exactly right. We're on this earth. Now you talked about large families uh, growing up during those days. You're absolutely right. My mother. I did a, Corey and I actually did an episode, a podcast episode with my mother, Rita Faye Baker Jordan, and she shared how many siblings she has. Her mother had 15 kids total. They lived on a farm and they had to take care of the farm as well. And by the time it got around to my mother, she was a little too young to work on the farm. And then they separated, my grandmother and my grandfather separated and went their own way. But you're absolutely right. Families were extremely large at that time so that they could feed themselves and take that's, care of their farms and that kind of thing. That's right. And, and I remember your, your grandmother, your aunt, uncles, they were, they were hardworking people. They were good people. And your mom was special. You know, your mom is special. I call her Faith. She, she's special. Always been nice to me. Uh, sister-in-law, she's... Yeah, that's a... That's a lovely woman, boy, I tell you. In my eyes, it don't get no better than Rita Faye. And, and, and this is the thing. We have to, and, and I tell this to young people, we have to appreciate them while, while we can. Do all you can while you can. Because there come a time you want to do more, you don't have the opportunity. Do all you can while you can. Absolutely right, on. So you, <clears throat> excuse me, you spoke about all of your siblings. So growing up, or you left for the military, who would you consider your closest sibling? And why? That's a good question. Never thought about that. Uh, I can tell you now, but but growing up, probably my brother Willie, because we were just that close together. And we we bump heads. We bump heads. Uh, Did you guys fight? Did you have a uh, like like not, fist not, fights or tumbles? Not, 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 not really, not really. We, uh, you know, like kids be, you know, uh, he he was, you know, he Willie was like I said, he was a, he was a tougher one of all of us. Um, Willie went in the military too, so him and I we served some of the same time, some of the same places. I never forget we was in Korea together. Your dad, your dad and I was in Korea for a year. I was down south. He was up north. Uh, he was up towards the DMZ, and uh, but 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 he was uh, he he was special. He was he was unique, and uh, uh, so I think he was probably closer because of the age. And uh, uh, but but I loved all my siblings. And, and let me just go back to uh, to my brother Mike uh, uh, quickly. Mike 
was the one that probably the only one that could deal with my brother Willie. Uh, Willie was he was he thought he was tough, but but Michael was tougher. Willie was he was a little bigger than than Mike. They had a couple of a couple of brush ins, not 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 so much fights. Just Mike would let him know who the man was. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I teased your daddy one time. I never forget it. I told him, I said, "Yeah, you think you're bad, but Mike Mike tougher than you. Oh, he ain't tougher than me. Uh, you just scared of him." <laughs> so 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 my brother Mike and uh, his his daughter, my my little niece Scooter, she was crazy about her dad Mike. Like she, she always would uh, tell him. She called him MJ. MJ cut it out just when he when he got sick and and uh, that was it. That was the apple of his eyes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Scooter, Scooter. I call her Scooter Ruder. <laughs> uh, she awesome. uh, she 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 loved her daddy Mike, and uh, unfortunately he uh, he passed, and there's uh, uh, a void there. But uh, he was he was special. Uh, Mike was special. You know, it's so funny how I'm really surprised that as many kids as Frank and Mildred had um, and as many boys as they had, there weren't more incidences of um, confrontations between you guys. And it's good to hear that there really weren't all that much. Corey and I grew up together pretty much all our lives up until our adult years, and we never Never had I ever put a fist on my brother or tried to raise a hand on my brother. We tussle around a little yeah. bit, and you know, and when we do, we're just kind of holding each other, you know, without actually putting our fist on each other. That was that was that that was that love that uh, that that you have as as siblings that you don't have the the inclination to to fight. Yeah, you had you know you had disagreements, and disagreements. Yeah, 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 but 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 never nothing malicious, malicious, nothing. You know, it was uh, that was that was life. I never forget this. There was one incident. I don't want to omit this because they, they all say to me, "Wasn't being true." I was having a bath one time, and back then you you had baths and we had what they call number three tubs, and uh, something happened me and, me and Willie, and uh, Willie kind of pushed me, and I fell on the stove. I'm in the bathtub, and I got branded. The old stoves back then, they two or three places made stoves. Birmingham was on the stove. So that was imprinted on my behind. And it was it was fairly serious because I had I had to go to the hospital, never forget it. And uh it was it was it was a burn. He pushed you onto the stove? Onto the stove. And you sat on the stove basically yeah, yeah, naked. Yeah. That's that's it. That's it. And uh so he would tease later on as we got over it. Yeah, I branded your behind. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. He is terrible. That, that, was, that was never, you know, we, you know, and uh, 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 my grandmother, she saved Willie from from, from getting the, the, the iron fist of dad. Oh, because, man. Uh, I, I, I can, and I, for a good reason, Frank would have given it to him, mm-hmm. you know, because for that, I, I probably would have got in this that, tail, that's too, right. about yeah. his dad. Yeah, know? yeah. But, uh, so we was just kind of picking at each other. And I can't remember exactly, but <laughs> but it was just you know it was unfortunate and you know it, it happened. But that's an awesome story, though. Like, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, what was your earliest childhood memory? What's your earliest child? What's the thing that you remember I, at your youngest age? I remember. I remember running this farm for my dad getting on the tractor, farming the land, 
at 13 years old, 12 and 13 years old, driving a tractor. Daddy had to, he had to work construction work. You know, back then it was it was tough. So you you had part-time job to make ends meet. So I I, I worked on the farm while dad was trying to work to make ends meet. And uh, I, I never uh, got daddy's praise maybe like I would have liked to. But I heard later, that was when I came back here, that was people that told me, your dad, he was so proud of you. He, you, you meant everything to him. Which I, I already, I didn't necessarily, but it was nice to hear because I, I hung in there with him. Being the oldest, I, I did. And he was grateful. When Uncle Sam called and I went in the military, that was a sad time for my dad. I never forget. You know, that was because uh, his oldest was leaving him. And and this I too remember. Uh, my mom, she went with me to the airport. Uh, I was leaving. And, and, and I only seen my mom cry twice in my life. I'm going to give you the first time, then I'll give you the second time. First time. She went to the airport with me. I'm leaving home. First time I left home, her oldest son. And she went to the airport, and I looked back, and I saw Mom wipe a tear from my eyes. That's something I never forget. The other time, because Mom wasn't, she wasn't a cry at my dad's funeral. So Mom, matter of fact, we all sitting there, the funeral almost over. All of a sudden, Mom lost it. Then all of a sudden, it was like a chain reaction. Just went down the line. Because nobody wants to see their mother cry. It's, it's just contagious. So that, those, those things stick out. Uh, but that was, some, that was plenty of good memories. Uh, I would say this. Uh, growing up, being the oldest, getting to, uh, to take my siblings to, to ball games uh, when I... Turn of age, 16, got my license. Uh, I was the... the, the designated the, driver. That, the designated <laughs> driver. So that was, you know, that was special. Back then, it didn't take a lot. It was just little things that you appreciated. And unfortunately, the world we live in today, uh, the, uh, the appreciation level has, has lessened. But we was... We had to, to appreciate little things. Didn't take nothing for granted. Yes, sir. Now, who was your, who was the oldest relative that you remember as a child? My, my grandmother, uh, my grandmother, my dad's mom, was, as I said before, probably had the most influence on me. And then after her would have been my mama's mom, big mama, those two women. Those two women had a big impact on me outside of my mom. Both grandmoms. Okay. So what were Christmases and birthdays like growing up? Well, Christmas sticks out because we, 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 didn't, we didn't look forward to a lot because Dad, you know, wasn't able. You know, it was, but I do remember this. Dad would make sure at Christmas time that we had all kind of Christmas goods, food, pies, cakes, nuts, oranges, apples. 
That was, they made sure of that. Mom and dad made sure of that. Wasn't able to get a lot of gifts like kids get today. Wasn't no gifts. But, but we knew it was Christmas. We, we knew it was Christmas. And it was special. So those things uh, you, you don't forget. They did the best they could. And uh, mom, dad was made sure that the kids had the best Christmas they could. Birthdays wasn't was was a big celebration on birthdays like, like it is today. Get out in that field and get that work done. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. That's how we celebrate birthdays. But um, you did mention that at 16, you felt special because you said Miss Ella, your grandmother, uh, threw a birthday party for you and let let you invite all your friends. Sure did. Ate and had a good time. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Well, that it, day. It, it, it was. Uh, I I didn't I didn't know it was was coming, and uh, you know, for you to get a birthday back then, uh, it was a big thing. And uh, but grandmama, big mama had just. Bought the house and it was nice and and uh, she she threw me a party. She let me have a party at her house and it meant a lot to me. She said, and 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 at that time I was the oldest grandchild, my big mama, on on my mama's side. I was the oldest, so that was special. Sixteen, I had a birthday birthday party. Invited some friends. I was thinking, and she said, uh, it's your day. So that, that meant a lot to me. So let's talk about school, Uncle Eddie. What was school like for you as a child, and where did you attend elementary, middle, and high school? It's, it's kind of ironic uh, that you asked that because I got experience that I wouldn't trade for nothing. I went to an all-black school. Now, this is during segregated times, right? During so segregated, segregated times. Segregated during segregated time. times. And I'm going I'm to I'm get to how it eventually uh, got to integration. I started first grade. I went to council training school. It's right below Alabama A&M. It's an ROTC building now. But that was my high school. I went 1 through 12. That was a norm back then because there was segregation. Now, this is the key. Integration came about, I believe, in 1968, somewhere around that, 67, 67 probably. I was, I was a junior in high school, sophomore, sophomore junior. I had a chance to, to integrate, go to another school, Lee, uh, wherever. But I didn't see no need in it because my high school wasn't closing for a couple more years. So I decided to stay at council training and graduate from council training, which was the best thing ever happened to me. That was experience that I, I wouldn't, we just celebrated a year ago, I believe, our 50th class reunion. That's awesome, Uncle. Did you go? You, you sure went? did, sure did, sure did. It was nice. A lot of us still around, some going on, but our 50th. I think this year we'd be coming up on our 52nd, maybe 52nd. That's great. Yeah, I graduated in 1968, Council Senior High School. Okay. It, was, uh, it was special. Now, let's move on to the next thing that I want to discuss with you. You didn't go to college. Didn't go to college. Okay. Now, you stated that 
Uncle Sam called upon you. So are you saying that you were drafted into the Vietnam War? That, that's it. And, and this is, this is what, what happened. Uh, the draft ended a little bit after I got drafted. Yeah, the draft ended on October the 15th of 1970. I think it was 1976. I think it ended in 76. Okay, yeah. okay. Vietnam was still going on when, when, when I got drafted. I didn't picture myself. I didn't envision going to Vietnam with a rifle. At that time, they were looking for high school graduates, the Air Force. They was recruiting highly. So they came to my high school as I was a senior. And it sounded good. I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't look forward to going to Vietnam uh, because I knew some, some friends that didn't make it back. So... The Air Force was, was, was looming, and, and I kept bugging the recruiter. I took my Army physical, and I took an Air Force physical. That's how close I was going in the Army. But then uh, I went to the Philippines, and we were supporting Vietnam out of the Philippines. And that's the closest I got to actually being in Vietnam, but that was during that era. What was your job in the Air Force? What was your AFSC? I was a Air Force specialty code is basically what that stands for. That's right. Job. I was a what they call a 702. Uh, I was an administrative specialist. Then I progressed to a personnel specialist slash postal and courier. So in other words, those AFCs broke down to, to, to different ones. Most of my career was between those. My overseas assignment was postal and courier. I was handling courier for, for different countries. That's why I was able to, to, to travel and see so much of, of the world uh, because of my AFSC and, and, and what they were looking for at that time. How many countries have you been to? Ooh. Ah. 22 years in the, 22 in the Air Force, right? Air Force. I probably spent, I probably spent seven, eight years stateside. Rest of it was overseas. From that's a lot of overseas time. From Korea, Philippines, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Australia, Denmark, Germany. Uh, were you a were you a traveler? Were you going out seeing some of the the rest of the country well, that you were stationed in at the I, time? I, I was I was I was different than a lot of military personnel. A lot of military personnel they go overseas, they stay right on base, they don't see none they of do. the Nate, you know, the, the locals. But I was adventurous. I, I love people. So I was able to to mingle and uh, and I had a beautiful time. I met so many friends, still lifetime friends today that I met from different countries. I, I hear from them sometime at Christmas time. Uh so that was the best experience of, of, of my life, was uh, seeing the world. Let me ask you, what was the most beautiful country you've ever been to? Australia. Australia? Australia. Beautiful. People, beautiful. Uh, Easy going. Beautiful country. Just, just, just beautiful. Uh, they all was unique, but I, I would say Australia would, would have been at Top of the list. Now, you went into the military at 19. Was that your first job? 
What was your first job that you actually had? And what was it like working there? Well, well, you you were in the military before I went in. Before you went in. Before I went in, it was mainly the farm. Now, this is kind of funny. My first job that I is on my uh, Social Security now is Burger King. The, the, the official one was, was Burger King. But I, I did sell papers, too, downtown Huntsville. Did you? Okay. I, I, I walked Huntsville selling the Huntsville Mirror back in the day. Some people probably know San, about the Huntsville San Mirror. San Francisco Chronicle for me. Huh? Okay. That's okay. awesome. That's okay. awesome. So I, uh, uh, I, was, I was a junior in high school. My daddy helped build the Burger King. And, 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 and this is a little history here. I, wor- I was the first black to work at Burger King in Huntsville. Now, now that's that's history. My dad helped build this Burger King. It's it's on Memorial Parkway. It's not in the same location, but it's uh, it's close to that. Dad helped build it, you know, with labor. You know, he was a, a labor worker, and he told the the manager of Burger King he would come in when they was building it. He said, "I want you to hire my son," and it just worked out that way. It was it was I was in high school. It was just a job making a little money. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed it, but it taught me work skill. What was the pay? <sighs> Whatever the minimum wage was, $3. Okay. Something. And the unique thing was you was able to eat all you wanted to eat when you worked there. When I first started, my siblings, sister them, they used to call me, bring us a Whopper. So I would load up with whoppers that night, <laughs> two or three. <laughs> Later on, that that changed because, you know, from what I was more strict on the policy. That, that's right. They, I think you got them for half price, and but it was a good thing at the time. And they were nice people. Mr. Fred Russell was the owner. Never forget him. I'm amazed that Frank let you work another job besides working on the Frank uh, working on the farm and going to school. He, he did. He did. You know, when when farming was over, you know, it was a seasonal thing. You know, Dad. Uh, you know, he let you let you had a part time job to make a little money, and uh, you know, uh, but the farm came first. You had to make sure you was taking care of that. Okay, the farm was mostly in the summertime. That, that's right? it. That's when you worked that's out it. in the fields. But that's it. You're saying spring and winter, um, spring and fall, you actually had the opportunity yeah. to to go out and that, do something right. else. That's right. That's awesome. So, so I worked all my life, and uh, that work ethic is what sustained me to this day. You, you, you had to you had to work for everything you got. Nothing was easy. Nothing was handed to you. Uncle Eddie, were you ever married? And did you ever have any children? Do you have any children? I have two sons. Uh, uh, two sons that, that live here. And, uh, biological they, sons, right? Biological, okay. yeah. Keith and Travis. Okay. And you said you were married? Yes. Okay, may I ask who, uh, what was your wife's name? Gloria. Tell us a little bit about Keith and Travis. Because I've personally never met them. Well, I've okay. met Keith. Yeah. Keith, I've yeah. met. Yeah. It's been a while, but it's been a little while since I've seen them, but I've definitely met them. They, uh, they, they, they good, good kids. They got a lot of my traits. Uh, uh, I, I see them occasionally, not as much as uh, I would like to, but, it, you know, certain times they, they'll, they'll come around and a call. But uh, they, they, they're unique. They're Jordans. Through and through, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they got the Jordan last name, or That's do they have their mother's Jordan, last name? Jordan, the Jordan. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. that is awesome. So this next question that we're going to ask, I want you to take a little time to think about it. And 
I really want to hear what your answer is to this here because it's an important question. Not only is it an important question, but it's something that future generations of Jordan men and women can potentially learn from, you know, so that they don't make the same mistakes. Or if they do have a situation like that, they can grow from it. What is the biggest obstacle that you're most proud to have overcome? And how did you overcome it? Take a minute to think about it. It's okay. And then um, let us know what that is and, and how you overcame it. That's, that's pretty easy, I think. I think, and this is what sums me up as a man. My dad taught, he taught all of us to respect people. Now, you know, I grew up doing segregation, without a doubt. And there was a lot of oppression, a lot of discrimination that, that I experienced. But I didn't let that become an obstacle for my growth. I rose beyond that because you can use that and it can cause you to stumble. But it, it enabled me to, uh, to be the man that I am and to see people for who they, they are. And, and I think so much about what Dr. King said, which is my hero, Dr. King. Not to judge a person by the color of the skin, but the contents of the character. That, that transcends race. Because you and I know there's good blacks, there's bad blacks. There's good white, there's bad white. The contents of the character is the key. So I try to live my life Look beyond anything else. Try to try to judge them about, about what's inside of them. That'll carry you further in life than anything else. You know, the one thing that I like about you, and especially about what you just said, is you didn't let that be an excuse or a reason for you not to excel and succeed in life. Because there are some people that come up with all different types of excuses for why they couldn't do what it is they really wanted to do. Ultimately, with all of the obstacles that they experience, the biggest factor is you need to take accountability for your own life. You can't let somebody stop you from doing some of those great things that you want to and are meant to do throughout life. You, you said it so well. You said it so well because too many people, even family people, they, they blame everything, but they take no responsibility. And Truth be told, as you said, you can be what you want to be. You got, you got to strive. You got to overcome, you got to overcome certain, certain, certain obstacles. But you can. You can be all you, you want to be. But you have to be, have the fortitude to the tenacity to persevere. And that's something I've been able to do. And that's something I want to leave with, with my family, to to, to, to not let life throw you. You might fall down, but get up. Get up. Yes, sir. Uh, I think that's the old adage. It's not how many times you fall, but how many times you get up. So what would you say is the biggest difference between Eddie of today and Eddie, say, 30, 40 years ago? <sighs> just, just age. Age and 
and experience, age and experience. Uh, the 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 younger Eddie didn't see as clearly, quite natural as the older Eddie. I, I see things now that I couldn't see much younger. I, I can see it clearer, much clearer, and and I think that's the difference. I'm the same person, but but with a different. Lens. Lens. That's it. With different lens. And and I think that's a that's a gift because uh life out there is, is is a teaching it's a teaching school that you 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 live it and you learn. You you live it and learn. So I, I just challenge anybody to 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 not be the same as as you evolve and later you were, because otherwise you didn't miss something. So we've come to our last question of the episode, Uncle Eddie, and you've given us some gems. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and, and share your story with us. But this is another big and important question that we like to end with. If there's one thing that you want people to remember about you, what would you want that to be? That's, that's a tough one. But I'm on a I'm going to try to sum it up in this. I'm, I'm genuine, and I don't buy wooden nickels. They won't spin. Now, now, it takes a little bit to think about that. Wooden nickels won't spin. And I don't, I don't buy them. I don't take wooden nickels. There's a genuineness about me. That that that. It it it's real. It's real. I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm like my dad in a lot of ways. I'm a I'm a serious-minded person, but I'm a person also that loves to to laugh, love to have fun. But there's a time and a place. That, that when I say, that's it, that's it. And I learned this about life, and I'm going to leave this with you. There was a, a man and son was communicating. They was talking. Son was, was educated, had all kinds of degrees. He was out talking to dad. Big words, big theology, just big. So the dad finally had enough. Dad stopped him. He said, son, you know more than I know. You're smart. You got, you got it all. You got all the education. He said, but one thing you don't know, you don't know what I know. What he was telling him was, you've seen it all. You got the education, but you don't know what I know. In other words, he was saying, I done seen things. You don't know what I know. So that's, that's something. Uncle... That is an awesome quote, awesome story to end on. Enjoyed it, enjoyed it. And you guys keep up the good work. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, couldn't tell the whole story, but I did the best I could. And uh, hopefully yeah, very well. ho- hopefully, somebody will, will, will get something from this. Well, the good thing family. about this, Uncle, is this doesn't have to be the only time we do this. Right. You know what I mean? There can be a part two. And I think with everything that you shared and you having more to give us, we're definitely going to do a part two to top off this interview. 
Beautiful. Enjoy it. Uncle, thank you so much. You take right. care. All right. Thank you all for listening in. Join us the next time.